sonship, making us yours and giving us the confidence that we have that we overcome everything in our world because of how good you have been to us. And so, Lord, this morning we open ourselves, we receive your word, we thank you for the encouragement, and we thank you for the celebration of these two unique birthdays. We bless your celebrants, and all of those have come to participate and celebrate with them. Thank you for our time. We honor and we bless you now, Lord, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Okay, amen. I'm going to be speaking from Colossians chapter 1 this morning, Colossians chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. And I'm going to title the message this morning, The Attitude of Thanksgiving. Uh, But before I get into the main text, let me just remind us of what I began to speak about, I I believe, two Sundays ago. Yes, we are living in very volatile times. Very, very volatile times. But I want to remind you of the historical perspective of the kind of time we're living in so that you do not miss what God is doing in our world today. God is looking to raise up sons of Ishakar, men who have understanding of the times and what Israel ought to do. In other words, Things around you may not be looking up. You may be confused about certain things that are happening. But like I said to you two weeks ago, you and I should not just be men and women who focus on the acts of God, but rather we should be men and women who understand the ways of God. The acts of God show you what God has done. It's past. The ways of God help you to predict before time what God will do. Because when you know his ways, you can predict his actions. Now, I'm saying this again so so we can come to a good understanding of world events. Our world is shaking, as God promised in the book of Hebrews. He said it will shake the heavens and the earth. Amen? Amen. And so as the world is shaking, I don't want you to look at the United States in isolation. Whatever is happening here is a part of everything else that God has set in motion on the face of the earth. Because the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The world and they that dwell therein. Not just the USA. USA plays a very important role. But I want to remind us it's a part of our world. Amen? Now, today, for instance, Italy is at the polls today. They are voting as we speak now in Italy. A very important vote or election that will determine the course of where Italy is going. Even as I speak, Austria is also voting today. The same, what shall I say, wind that blew through the United States a couple of weeks ago is blowing us just here in the USA, but all around the world. It's not coincidental that last week one of the icons in Latin America expired, Fidel Castro. It's gone. Now Cuba has to make a decision as to how they fit and where they go in the economy of what's going on around the world. Are you hearing me? So things are happening. But what I'm saying to us is as volatile as things are, 
This is an incredible opportunity for those that know their God. Oh, that's such a wicked man. My goodness. My goodness. It's an incredible time. Because back in the days of Israel, when King Cyrus became king, a Gentile king, an unbelieving king, that God said, Cyrus, my servant. In that same time period, only a few remnants of Israel in the times of Ezra and Nehemiah, returned back to Israel to build a house. Why? The rest of them got comfortable in their Babylons, in the things they were doing, and removed, refused to move when God was moving. Listen, the election is over. Trump is our president-elect. Get used to it. It's a new day. It's a new season. Where, no matter where you fall on the spectrum of things, I'm telling you, God is about to do a new thing. Listen, it's, it's not the man's policy that I'm talking about this morning. In all the days I've ever been in the United States, I've never seen a president-elect that did a thank you tour. Are you happy this morning? <laughs> Please bring a fan and come and find her for me because she's about, she about to pass out here on the front row here. Amen. 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 God is going to bless those of us who has the ability to key into what he's doing and join him at his work. Amen. This is the time. This is the hour. This is the season. Don't miss it. Amen. Amen. It's not about Trump. It's about God. Yeah. Forget Trump. Yeah. I'm telling you to put your eyes on God and see what God is going to do. Colossians chapter 1, verse 12. Attitude of thanksgiving. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love. Oh my goodness. Why do we give thanks? Why must we possess the attitude of thanksgiving? There are many reasons for which we give thanks. But peradventure, if you are at a loss to find why you should be giving thanks, Paul just helped us. He said, giving thanks, number one, because God has qualified us. No, you didn't qualify yourself. But God qualified us. I remember in Exodus chapter 3, in verse 11, when God came to Moses and said, Moses, I have come to choose you to go and lead my people out of bondage in Egypt. And Moses looked at himself. He said, but God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? In other words, translated meaning, I'm not qualified. Moses disqualified himself. But because God is not looking at your human abilities, 
He's not looking at you being the one who gets the job done. He says, I understand what you're saying, Moses, but regardless of your, uh, of your, uh, 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 what, what you're saying back to me, I still qualify you. Giving thanks who has qualified us. I'm thankful this morning that I did not qualify myself. I'm thankful this morning that I'm not looking at, relying on, depending on myself to get anything done, but I'm depending on the one who qualified me. You should give thanks because he has uniquely qualified you. Is it Gideon in Judges chapter 6? In verse 15, God came to him and said, Mighty man of valor, I'm going to use you to deliver Israel out of the hands of the Midianites. Again, Gideon looked at himself and he replied, God, he said, I am, my tribe is the weakest in order of Israel. In other words, again, I am not qualified. God said, you don't understand. I'm not looking at who you are, what you have, in order to make you qualified. I'm looking at myself. I know that within me as God, I can do anything I desire. I'm just looking for a vessel. I wonder if there's any vessels here this morning. Are there any vessels this morning that says, God, I am available to be used by you. I'm not going to look at my qualifications, but I'm going to look at you who is the qualifier. Hallelujah. Giving thanks to God. Who what? Who qualified us. Let's go to Acts chapter, uh, I believe chapter 9. The book of Acts chapter 9. From verse 10. Let's read that passage in Acts 9 verse 10. We are giving thanks this morning because God has qualified all of us. Look at what happened in Acts 9 verse 10. Now, there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias, and he said, here I am, Lord. Next verse. So the Lord said to him, arise and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he's praying. And in a vision he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard from many about this man. How much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. Go on. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, we can just stop right there. Ananias is saying, God, this man don't qualify. He does not qualify to be used by you. He's a bad man. He's a dangerous man. He's a murderer. He's a persecutor of your church. He is not qualified. And alas, who's a disciple? Pled his case with God as to why Paul should not be called. I don't know who's pleading a case against you. Who's yelling and screaming and shouting about how and why you should not be blessed. 
how and why you should not qualify, how and why you should not be considered, how and why your business should not prosper, how and why your children should not behave. I don't know what devil is speaking out against you, but I want you to know that in spite of the facts that they have presented against you, and those facts may be correct, they may be accurate, because Paul, in fact, was at Damascus, actually really looking to waste the church. But I want you to know God this morning is not looking at facts. He's not looking at the case that's presented against you. Because like he said to Ananias, but the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen vessel. I don't know what your situation is like this morning, but I'm here to tell you, you have been chosen. You have been called by God. You have been anointed by God. God has chosen you and there is nothing the enemy can do about it. There is nothing Satan and his cohorts can do to unchoose you. Notice God did not argue with Ananias. He didn't say, oh, well, you see, I'm not sure. Okay, maybe he won't do what you say. None of that. So the point is, in spite of your badness, in spite of the fact that you are full of flaws, God said, in spite of all of those things, I qualify you. Oh, let's turn to our feet this morning. You don't understand this. I don't really think you understand this. I'm saying to you, God has qualified you. Yes. Man yes. may disqualify you. Yes. Hey, but Jehovah, God is on your side. And he has qualified us this morning. And so, Father, we thank you. We give you thanks. We give you thanks. We give you thanks. For qualifying us. In the name of Jesus. We are qualified. You are qualified. You are qualified. You are qualified. You are qualified. In the name of Jesus. You may take your seat. Amen. Qualified. Amen. Back to Colossians chapter 1. So we give thanks for, to the Father who has qualified us. Now what did he qualify us for? To be partakers of the inheritance. <laughs> Ooh, glory to God. Qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance. I don't know if you've ever been in a family where someone uh, who's significant goes home to be with the Lord. And after they have gone, the kids are fighting. Who will get a house? Who will get a car? Who will get this? Who will get that? Who will get a piece of land? They are fighting over what? The inheritance. But not so with God. He has qualified us to be partakers of the what? Inheritance. Oh no, let's say that word slowly. Say inheritance. inheritance. Say it one more time. Say inheritance. inheritance. Good. Notice what God has qualified us for. It's not for wages. Wages can what? Be changed. Yes. Go, ask, go, go ask Jacob. Laban changed his wages ten times. He's not qualified us for rewards. Rewards do expire. I just got a notice from my frequent flyer on one of the airlines the other day. And it says to me, my miles or my points will expire December 2016. 
So rewards do what? Expire. But inheritance? For one thing, reward or wages, you earn them. If I don't fly, no rewards. If I don't work, no wage. So whereas rewards and wages are earned, inheritance is gained. The only requirement to participate in this inheritance that God has for us is your pedigree. Are you carrying his DNA? Are you his child? Have you been born again? If you are part of the family of God, born again by the spirit of God, that's all you need in order to partake of this inheritance. Now, this is very huge. I need to slow down here to explain this properly. Because when it comes to inheritance, in Colossians 1.12, we've been qualified to become partakers of the inheritance in the sense. Okay, so how do I in December 2016 enjoy this inheritance? Must I wait till I die to enjoy it? No, because if I'm dead, it's no longer in, I've not, it's not inheritance any longer. Inheritance is what you receive when someone else has died. So where is it? Where is that inheritance? Did God promise it? Did he lie about it? Of course not. God is not a mind that he should lie. Neither the son of mind that should repent. Has he not said he will never do it? Let's go to the scripture. 1 Peter 1, verse 4. 1 Peter 1, verse 4. Hallelujah. 1 Peter, chapter 1, verse 4. Man, you guys are on it this morning. Glory to God. Amen. The Lord bless you. Amen. <laughs> Look at what it says. To an inheritance. Greg. Yes. Incorruptible. Undefiled and that does not fade away. You want to know what kind of inheritance you have this morning? Three qualifiers. Number one, incorruptible. Number two, undefiled. Number three, never fades away. Never! What you get today is what it will be three years from now. It does not diminish. You can't come back five years later and say, oh, wait a minute, well, when we gave it to you five years ago, it was this much. Now, it's depreciating. You know when you bought a car from the car lot? Brand spanking new. In my village, they say tear rubber. Which means brand new. You have to remove the rubber, the paper out of the thing. The moment you drive that car off the lot, we are shaking your hands. Congratulations. 2017 Tundra. Bless you. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. You pray over it. You huff and puff over it. The next month, you drive the car back to the same car lot. And you say you want to do something else. The car you just bought less than 30 days ago, brand new. They say what? It has what? Depreciated. 
the value has what? Decreased. Yes. What kind of nonsense is that? <laughs> Not with God. No. Your inheritance is incorruptible. It is undefiled and it never fades away. But then we are told where this manifestation of the inheritance is. It is reserved in heaven for you. Please don't misunderstand that to say when you get to heaven. Poor translation. I wish I could show you this verse in the mirror Bible. Which simply says that this inheritance that's incorruptible, undefiled, and does not fade away is in the heavenly realm. Big difference. Big difference. It's not in heaven. God does not need your inheritance in heaven. No, sir. And we see this in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3. Blessed be the Lord God, who has blessed you and I with all the spiritual blessings in the heavenly places. Same idea. So this inheritance is already in the heavenly realm. Another way to say that in the spiritual realm. Yes. It's already available. Yes. Is there waiting to be tapped? And that's why what we are talking about this morning becomes acutely important. The issue of thanksgiving. God is not just manufacturing inheritance. Before Genesis 1-1, it was already there. Everything you and I will ever gain, receive from God, already packaged. Way back then. But there's a door through which you and I must enter. And go through to receive and to pick up whatever it is that God has for us. Before I get to the door, let me make sure I glean this properly so you you don't live here with nothing that you should have taken with you. So it's qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He's delivered us from the power of darkness. You know, when we read that, that is delivered us from the power of darkness, especially for those of us of the African descent, immediately we start thinking witches and wizards. Now, there's an element of that in darkness. But the greater part of darkness really has little to do with wizards and witches. Darkness refers to ignorance of the divine light. Yes. The Bible talks about how our hearts are darkened by lack of revelation. In other words, if I don't know what God has for me, I'm in darkness. I'm in darkness. And because of that, yes, I can easily be swayed to the issue of witches and wizards because already I'm in darkness. So the real issue here, what God is saying here is he delivered you and I from the power of ignorance. <laughs> Ignoramis is not a virtue. Because the Bible says my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. What you don't know will kill you. 
So we've been delivered from the power of darkness, ignorance. People, I mean, I told you guys we're in Asia, people are worshiping idols. Why are they doing that? Ignorance. Images that they made with their hands, they feed, they have to feed images. Images that can't eat on their own, that cannot speak, that cannot hear, and yet they're bowing down to it. Ignorance. Ignorance. And people will tell them tales about how if you don't bow down to this thing, you will send a snake to your house, or you wake up in the middle of the night, all kinds of crazy stuff. Ignorance. So the Bible says God delivered you and I from the power of darkness because ignorance has power. It will cause you to do things that when you have, like you say, what, I did that? Yeah. But look at what he did. He did not leave us in the vacuum. He delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us to the kingdom of his son of his love. Oh my goodness. Again, I wish I had the mirror translation to show you. What this is saying is that God not only delivered us from the power of darkness, but he conveyed us, transferred us to the kingdom where the love of his son rules. Yes. We are now in the kingdom where what rules is the love of God. Huge. So let's, 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 let's back up in order to go forward. We give thanks because he's qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance in the saints, in the light, delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us to the kingdom of of the son of his love. What is that kingdom then? Because if I'm going to enjoy my inheritance, I need to know about the kingdom in which I've been delivered. We've talked about this for a while now in this house. But quickly, let me just refresh you. Your memory, I know we're going to close. We're going to close in a few minutes. Let me just refresh you. There are four essential things about the kingdom of God. Four things that are essential about this kingdom. If you are going to thrive in it, four things. Number one, you must acquire, you see, because you are in a new kingdom, therefore, there are some things about this new kingdom you must get. You cannot migrate to Thailand and want to live as a Yankee in New York, in Bangkok. You can do it, but you not thrive. You not thrive. If you are going to really, really enjoy your new place, your new domain, then you must acquire certain things about that place that makes you fit in. Number one, the language. We've talked about this here and this has a long time ago. The first thing you and I must learn about this new kingdom is the language of the kingdom. If you go to Spain, you learn Spanish. Spanish. I almost made a new book. I said Spanish. <laughs> Praise God. Hallelujah. We put that on the anointing. Amen. <laughs> if you move to Finland, you learn Finnish. If you want to enjoy the benefits of being there. So in the kingdom of God where you've been conveyed and transferred, the first thing you need to learn is the language of the kingdom. Hebrews 1, 1, 2. I won't quote that now. I won't tell you about that now, but read it on your own. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. God, at certain times, spoken to the fathers by the prophets. 
But in these last days, he speaks to us by his son. Sonish. The only language God speaks now is Jesus. This is important because see, listen, the reason we don't get the results we desire is because we're trying to wing it. No, you can't wing this. You need to know it. First thing is the language. And the language of God is Jesus. Anything you read or hear that does not line up with Jesus, you throw it away. Ooh, that's half of our theology right there. If it doesn't line up with him, Jesus becomes the plumb line of everything God has said. Or he's saying. Because the Bible says in these last days, he only speaks by his son. So number one is language. Number two, the operating system. How does this new kingdom to which we've been transferred, how does it work? By faith. That's it. It only works by faith. Not by works. Not by performance. Not by how hard I toil. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. All those who come to him must believe that he is. And that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. No, it's not about how hard I work. If hard work was the only reason for a blessing. Oh, there are many more people working harder than all of you here in this room. People that dig ditches for a living in India and in my village should be richer than all of you. Because they work hard. No, it's not about hard work. Hard work is good. It's good virtue to be diligent and to work hard. Absolutely. But I'm telling you in this kingdom, you operate by faith. Now, not only do you have to have a language, not only do you have to have an operating system, you must fit into the culture. And Colossians 1 verse 13 tells us what this culture is. In this kingdom, there's only one thing that rules. The love of God. So you have the language of the kingdom, you have the operating system of the kingdom, and then you must acquire the culture of the kingdom, which is love. Because the Bible tells us very clearly, faith works through love. So if I have faith, but I'm not grounded in love, my faith will not work. Love is the soil through which faith grows. Works together. Amen? I have the language. I have the operating system. I have the culture. And last and not the least, it brings me to this message. And that is the attitude of the kingdom. There's an attitude in this kingdom that is so important. And that's the reason we are doing this message right now. The attitude of the kingdom is thanksgiving. Why is it so important? I'm about to tell you in a minute. Everything you will ever need from God is already packaged ready. Everything. Healing. Prosperity. Holiness. The life of God. Everything. Everything. Long life. Whatever you want, God has already made packaged. But you know what? 
He's packaged it. But you see, he does not want to give what's holy to the dogs or cast his pearls before the swines. So he said, this is what I'm going to do. I've made everything you ever need. I'm going to put a key in your hand. Greg, whenever you have a need, use the key to get what you need. Yes. You missed it. I've made it all. And I'm going to give you the key. Why? Because I want you to be the one that he initiates when you want that need met. I've already met it. But you have to be the one that recall when you want the manifestation. Oh, yes. So you have the key in your hand. Oh, yes. Or the password. So it's up to you to use what I've given you, the key or the password. Go to Psalms 100 for me. Put it on the, on the screen. Psalms 100. Verse 4. Psalms 100 verse 4. What does it say? Enter into his gates with what? That's the door you have to go through to get your blessing. Your access key into your blessing is not your hard work, it's not your toiling, it's not your sweating. No, it's not even my praying or my fasting, although those things are essential and they are useful. The key to assessing what God has given you and I is what? In your thanksgiving. That's the key that what unlocks the gate. You must go through the gate to pick up what you need. You have to go through the gates. It says enter. It's a command. Into his gates with what? Thanksgiving. So thanksgiving therefore opens the door to the realm of the spirit to bring down from heaven what God has already made for you and I. Yes. Yes. Huge. Huge. Did you guys get that? Yes. This is so important. That is why scripture after scripture after scripture tells me and you to give thanks. Why else will Jesus in John chapter 11 verse 41 get to the tomb of Lazarus God in the person. God in the flesh. And what did he do? He said, I thank you because you hear me always. What was he doing? He was using the key to unlock the miraculous. He already understands what's available in his father. But he also understood that the key, the access, the entry to bring that into realization was in his thanksgiving. And so you see the miracle in Matthew 15. He wants to multiply the loaves. What does he do? He gave thanks. He gave thanks because again he's looking for something that is not to appear and be manifested. So what does he do? No, he's not praying an all night prayer. I'm sorry about that. He's not puffing and huffing. He's not having gymnastics on, on the, no, no. He just simply says I give thanks. I bless this. Why? Because it is through the thanksgiving that the door of the miraculous is opened. He gives thanks. And so Paul tells us in Philippians 4, 6, be careful for nothing. But in everything, we pray and supplication. You must pray. You must supplicate. With prayer and supplication, with what? Thanksgiving. That after you've prayed, after you've supplicated, 
Your prayer is not finished. You've come to the door, but in order to enter through the door and receive the manifestation, it must be with what? Thanksgiving. That's the key that puts the icing on your cake. And many of us have been praying without using the Thanksgiving mode. And so we're not getting the result we want. In Acts 27, verse 35, Apostle Paul did the same thing. Let's read that and then we close. I think I've given you enough. Acts 27, verse 35. So Thanksgiving is the key, is the access to the manifestation we seek in God. And therefore, when you understand it, it should not be a thing you do once a year. Oh my goodness. Thanksgiving should not be something that's on the calendar once a year. No. It should be something you're doing on a regular basis. It should be a lifestyle. It should be, you should be giving thanks every minute, second of the day. Every situation you find yourself in. Because what, what happens when you're giving thanks? You're inviting the presence of God. Paul, his last few words in the book of Acts. And when he had said these things, he took bread and what did he do? Give thanks to God. In the presence of them all. And when he had broken it, he began to eat. The attitude of thanksgiving. It's an attitude that places God first. It's an attitude that recognizes the supremacy of God. It's an attitude that acknowledges that God has done everything. And that even though my current situation may not be showing it, it's just a matter of time. I keep on giving thanks, and in a matter of time, my situation will change. Why? Because thine is the glory, the honor, and the power. And the Bible says, as it is in heaven, so it shall be in the earth. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. One last point, and I close. This is my final, final closing. Colossians chapter 1, back in that verse 12. He has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. As a Colossians 1, verse 12. He has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. And this is point I want to make in this closing statement. There are believers here now under the sound of my voice. Yes, you are born again. You are a child of God. But you are not able to walk in your inheritance. Why? Because even though you are born again, you are still in darkness. What do I mean by that? How can I be born again and be in darkness? I can be born again and be in darkness for as long as I continue to use my head knowledge. Where the kingdom of God is involved. I still judge things, see things, say things based on my natural inclination. You are in darkness. And as such, even though the inheritance is made, ready, available to you, you will not be able to partake. Because it's only done in the light. Do you see that verse? Let me read it one more time. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the in the light. 
Not in darkness. So the only way I enjoy this, I have to change my mind. Yes. I cannot remain in my ignorance, self-will, self-reliance, yes. worldly wisdom, yes. and think I'm going to partake of this. Yes, it's only done in the light. Many, many believers. Many, 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 many believers. Time will not permit me to just go into some examples. It's, it's, it's amazing. There's a big gulf between what we know and what we do. Yes. And some of us are living carelessly every day. Knowing to do good, but choosing to do evil. Every day, we are making those choices. We are making those choices. Now you are born again. Yes, you go to heaven. Now, if I was God, I wouldn't let you go in heaven. But I'm not God. He's the landlord of heaven, not me. But while you are here on the earth, you live miserably. In agony, in pain, disappointment. Why? Because God has made everything ready. And you've chosen not to go with him. You choose to remain in your own vomit. In darkness. I pray today as we celebrate yes. that you're going to make that decision to make that change. Amen. Amen. Listen, nobody's asking all of us to just obey all the Bible in one day. No. What you know, start doing it. What you know now, begin to ask God to help you to do what you know now. And you'll be surprised. A month from now, three months from now, you'll be much further gone. But to constantly Remain in disobedience and be comfortable. Say no way. It's a terrible thing. Last call. Last call. There are those of us who are not born again at all. So you are not just going in and out of darkness. You are darkness. There's a difference. You are darkness in the sense that you don't know God. You are lost. And I pray. That God has brought you here today. You're hearing this message and you're going to make a decision. That the God who loved you so much and gave and expended all of his treasure to put a value on you, to appreciate you and to love you, that you respond to that God today. That you'll not just be here to dance at the Thanksgiving celebration, but you'll be here to say, you know what? I want to be numbered among the children of God. Let's bow our heads. First prayer point. Father God.